You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about the human league dare on the line i have rob hey what's up ben two or three friends and kyle a cocktail bar dare released as dare in the u.s is the third studio album by the english synth pop band the human league first released in the uk on the 16th of october 1981 then subsequently in the u.s in the mid 1982 the producer was martin Rush it and the human league and the genre is new wave and synth pop. I'm going to read from all music review, uh, by Stephen Thomas Erwine. dare captures a moment in time. Perfectly the moment post punk robotic fascination with synthesizers met a clinical Bowie esque infatuation with fashion and modern art, including pop culture plus a he- healthy love of songcraft. The Human League had shown much of this on their early singles, such as Empire State Human, but on Dare, they simply gelled, as was their style supported by music and songs with emotional substance. That doesn't mean that the album isn't arty, since it certainly is, but it's part of its power. The self-conscious detachment enhances the postmodern sense of emotional isolation, observation, obsession with form over content, and the love of modernity for its own sake. That's why Dare struck a chord with the listeners who didn't like synth pop or the new romantics in 1981, and why it still sounds startling original decades after its original release. The technology may have dated, synth and drum machines may have become more advanced, but few have manipulated technology in such an emotionally effective way. Of course, that all wouldn't matter if the songs themselves didn't work smashingly, whether it's a mood piece as eerie as Seconds, an anti-anthem like The Things That Dreams Are Made Of, the dance club glow of love action, or the utter genius of Don't You Want Me, a devastating chronicle of a frayed romantic wrapped in the greatest pop hooks in production of the year. The latter was a huge hit, so much so that it overshadowed the album in the minds of most listeners, yet for all its shining brilliance, it wasn't a pop supernova. It's simply the brightest star on the record and one of the defining records of its time. All right, what do we think of The Human League? Dare. Masterpiece, fight me. Johnny, Joey, Dee Dee, good times. I've got some compli- I've got complicated uh, 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 feelings. Sterile have, I, and fun. I have issues. Oh boy, what's that? I role? will say that Is... this album's been growing on me throughout the week. Definitely, mm-hmm. I like a lot of things about it. 
I also, I, I found it, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. The human league needed to do something because most of the band is now heaven 17. So half. the, the, well half, but you're counting. So after the two, after uh, Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh left to form heaven 17, the remaining people of human league were Philip Oakley and Philip Adrian Wright, who was their lighting designer who needed to learn how to play a synthesizer because he's half the band now. I'm saying necessity. I'll get, we can get into the whole story. Uh, but no, no, I, I, I've got layers of feelings about this record after the, after listening to it for, for a few weeks. And, yeah. uh, the, and these first three songs are just joyous, joyous to me. The things that dreams are yeah. made of open your heart, fucking ABBA vibes. Uh, and then the, the sound of the crowd, I am all in on all three of those first three tracks. Yeah, Sound of the Crowd, it's very Devo. I cannot agree with you on uh, the things that dreams are made of. Uh, The only, I think it is incorrectly sparse. The the sparseness doesn't do it justice. And the only thing that I liked about it was the uh, electro version of Gary Glitter's uh, drums. Are you talking about the first track on the record? It's a piece of shit. You don't like that song? No. I don't at all. What the fuck? Why? Except, except for the drums. You jerk. The drum sounds are really cool, especially for being programmed drums. <clears throat> and that is thanks to uh, Martin Russian, the producer. Uh, he he di- he did all the drum programming uh, prior to Human League. We know him from him producing Buzzcocks albums and Stranglers albums. Cool. Do you think yeah. he liked Gary Glitter? He, um, pro- he probably probably did. But I uh, because that's how you get why do you keep talking about Gary Glitter, bro? Gary Glitter, Kyle, yeah, yes. Uh, in the year 2001, I bought a Gary Glitter two CD set, and I was surprised how inexpensive it was. Listen to the beats on it, and then, and then listen to why. are you talking the... about the sound of the beats, Rob, or the rhythm like the rhythm of like rock and roll part two? There you go, yeah. I didn't hear that beat on Things That Dreams Are Made Of, I heard, yeah. Is this Color me. <laughs> correct? Is this what? Is this what where I get spicy and mad because people don't like a synth pop record that I really like? No, you dumb dick. I I, I, I like a lot of these. <laughs> where is this um, coming from? <laughs> I don't know the bourbon. <laughs> Kyle, I, I I've come around a lot on this record. I'm not fully around yet, but we can talk about that. We can talk about the good things before I start talking about things I don't like about it. Sure, Ben. I'd love to do that. Um. I had never had this record before, um, but I had the previous two albums, Travelogue and Reproduction. And what I, are they like? They're great. They're sparse. They're weird. They're a lot different. Um, yeah. I'm totally ready for you guys to not be into this record, and that's fine. I'm not into this record. There's a whole lot of Gary Glitter beat going on with this record, uh, which... You know, but for, for for whatever it's worth, like the first song on this record was that that was the best I could say of it. Uh, the following two, which were on the sound of the crowd right now, they're they're uh-huh. fucking great. And yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. It uh, uh, open your heart is absolutely ABBA esque. Wonderful, Rob. What do you think about Love Action though? Love action. Let's go down to the love action. Cool. Uh, uh, Makes use of the pitch to voltage converter and envelope shapes on the Roland 
System 700 modular synth. They put the guitar through it. I don't have a star next to Love Action. I didn't like it. So, oh, so also in Love Action, Philip Oakley does the same Henry Rollins thing where he's like, hey, this is Phil speaking. <laughs> he, he, he absolutely does. And <laughs> because he because this apparently the song is based on actual relationships he's had and he wants you to know that I'm speaking to you. This is Phil. But uh, he also he was inspired by. Uh, the Lou Reed song, I Believe in Love, which is the subtitle of this song. Yeah. Yeah. And in the song, when he's referring to, quote unquote, the old man, he's referring to Lou Reed, who in 1981 was 39. Oh, my God. I mean, to be fair, that's pretty old. Think think of yourself, Ben, you're 39 right now. Think of yourself, Lou Reed, 39, though. Oh, in Lou Reed years? Yeah, it's like 20 years oh, before yeah. you recorded a record with yeah. Metallica. So it's like dog years, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shocked. Okay, dudes, we're, we're talking about this record, right? I hope so. I was shocked that the, the two singles that I knew were the last two songs on the record. Mm-hmm. For an 80s record, that's very unusual, right? Philip Oakley hated Don't You Do You Want Me? Yeah, or Don't yeah. You Want Me? I, I've got a lot of notes on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, apparently, I wish you could, I could hear the original synth re- uh, uh, arrangements because apparently the original synth arrangements were very hard, like harsh noises. And Martin Russian, the producer, he is responsible for the arrangement that was the, that that you that everyone knows as the monster pop hit. Yeah, and right, right, Philip right, right. Oakley hated what Martin Russian had done with it. Yep. Thought it was like pop garbage. Wanted to bury the track at the bottom of the album. Did not want to release it did. as a single. Yeah, he buried it. Did not want to release it as a single. It was released finally after three other songs from the album released it as a single. So it's funny to me, Birch, when you were doing your your reading at the beginning, where you're talking about the genius of "Don't You Want Me." I don't necessarily think that song's genius. I think that song might be serendipitous. Well, I think it's funny because, like, uh, yeah, that dude uh, meant that whole song to be a, a total male vocal solo and then like he saw a star is born yeah <laughs> and then he was like i know what this song me? needs and he was right he was he right was right he came around and which he was version like, of a yes, star is born the 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 uh producer was right on that one the the one that was available for him to watch in 1981 well, not the, the one with bradley two, cooper there, and larry Ga- Lady gaga larry so gaga <laughs> It's hard telling. Was it Christopherson or was it like previous? I think it was the Christopherson. Um, that one would have been newer at the band. time. Yeah, yeah, seventy four. Okay, that makes the most sense. Great record. Seconds haunting track. I like seconds. I have a star by seconds. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting about this. So with when Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh left Human League to form Heaven Seventeen. I would imagine from their perspective, they probably gutted that band. You know, they're, they're leaving Philip Oakley and the lighting designer to fulfill their label contract. Uh, with are, Virgin. You, are you talking about human league? Yeah. They, they, it sounds well, like they pulled in some ringers, you know? Well, no, no, that's exactly what they did. So, yeah. so, you know, F- Philip Oakley is left. He's got their, their lighting guy, uh, Philip. They're, they're, you've got two fills. 
You've got Philip Oakley and you've got Philip Adrian Wright, who is learning synthesizer as quickly as he can to uh-huh. be able to to create music as one half of Human League. To finish the tour, uh, when Martin and Ian left, uh, they had pulled in. I, I think every British guy's named either Philip or Ian because Human League contains multiple Philips and multiple Ians. Uh, so they pulled in Ian Burden. He was a, a, like a studio gun, or maybe not a studio gun, but a hired gun to fill out the band well the, to complete their tour obligation. Eventually, uh, recruit him to be a a permanent member of the new Human League, which is great because Philip, uh, because Ian Burden actually knows his way around synthesizers. Uh, Philip Oakley knows his way around songwriting, but is pretty rudimentary when it comes to crea- crafting a sound. And, and, you know, Philip Adrian Wright is just learning his way. Ian Burden comes in, all of a sudden he, they have a competent person that knows their way around programming at, at, uh, and playing synthesizers, creating these cool sounds. Uh, yeah, they pull in uh, Joe Callis, who is a guitar player and songwriter who had contributed some writing credits to this song and some guitar lines, but they basically also told him, like, hey, you need to learn how to play a synthesizer because we're a synthesizer band. Synthesizer band. So mm-hmm. he's learning. He's also, him and Philip Adrian Wright are learning on the fly. And then to fill the, to fill the, the void of having multiple vocalists, they get uh, Joanne Catherall and Susan Ann Sully, who are both schoolgirls at the time. They're both like 18. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and, and so they would need to like they were doing their files. When, yeah, they're doing their files. So they'd be like busing them like a few hours to the studio to like use as much of them as they could. Clearly not and working I think, as waitresses in cocktail bars. Uh-oh. Right. But I think what's interesting is so Heaven 17, they took a lot when they when they formed, they took a lot from the Human League. What the Human League had though is label support and a deadline to meet a contract. And with, and that's really nothing to, to scoff at. Mm-hmm. They w- With the backing of Virgin, they were able to pull in some ringers to get Martin Rushington as a producer, who he's as much of a creative contributor on this album as anyone in the band. All of a sudden, the shell of a band that's like Philip Oakley and their lighting designer is releasing this album, which sounds very much more more than than uh, it, like i don't know what i'm trying to say no, but I know what you're saying like, ben you're saying that like yeah he was left with almost nothing and then he just reached out to yeah. some experienced songwriters and musicians and mm-hmm. somehow crafted so yeah it, it, it's it's very much it feels like it was cobbled together out of necessity their labels breathing down their neck they yep. need they need this band to be lucrative and we this band right now they need hits right now Here's some money if you need to hire anyone. Mm-hmm. They hire the right people. They get the right people in the studio, and they create this album that ends up selling millions and millions and millions. It's very, yeah, it's very Duran Duran. I don't know, like just bringing yeah. in brilliant synth musicians like, like in the eighties. I, I I love hey, the story you- like like no. Suicide, where it's the same two dudes are just hammering at it for six years and finally get an album. This is a different kind of story. You know, but it's still a cool story.
What do you guys think? Um, I think it's, I think it's well done. I think it is very polished, but it does feel, what would you say, dry to me. I like a little organic elements. I like some non-studio magic, and it feels so, it feels so constructed, overly so that it it, it it's kind of painful at, at times. It's mm. literally constructed. Yeah, like that. Like that's the whole. That was the name of the yeah. game for them. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and that's. It's amazing that they could do that, and using the technology of the time, and they they really were way ahead of the other bands at this time. I mean, they were. They said that all the all music is going to sound like this in you know ten twenty years, or be constructed like this in ten twenty years. Yeah, absolutely, they're right. But at the same time, it isn't the Devo, the Kraftwerk element where they're playing things live and there's it's slightly off. Things are things feel more natural. This does feel like a, a constructed bands. And I have an adverse reaction to something that sounds so pop and polish that it's it, it, it's hard. I'm, I'm right there with you, Birch. Like somehow a. um of craft work has just a little bit more soul than this, even though a lot of it is also all programmed. I I, I don't want to blame. I, I I want to blame mostly uh, the way it was programmed more so than like the programming itself, because uh, as much as I, as I harp on like the things that dreams are made of, like the start of, open your heart where there's just like this base key riding the sea like on it like and everything else is happening around it which is a it, w- what they're doing chord wise with that I, I i don't have the music theory knowledge to describe it well um but it it doesn't make very much sense for a verse and then they go into the chorus with it which is pretty fucking cool um I had a I when when I first started listening to this I ha- I had a lot of like shit to give and I think most of it had to do with like how good that orchestral movement maneuvers in the dark record is. Mm-hmm. Like, Rob, did you hear the connection that, with that with that, that album in this record? No, I, I don't know the connection. No. Oh, I, I don't mean to cut you off on your. Tell me. No, get get me, girl. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, the song Love Action, apparently some copies of that single were uh, mispressed with <laughs> orchestral maneuvers in the dark souvenir as the A-side. Um, so a collector's had- item, yeah, is like is some weird orchestral maneuvers in the dark side A, uh, Human League side B. I think that's hilarious. Uh, also, if <laughs> I think that even if I was even if I was trying to buy a copy of Love Action... Had I actually gotten a copy of Souvenir instead, I'd be so. I mean, that song's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. I, yeah, I would be. Great. I would be really into it. Yeah, I perked my ears up. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm 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 sitting here listening to a thing that I don't hate and I don't necessarily love, but I think some of the tracks are great on it. But I don't know if it's just like I was ruined by the best of the best like a couple of weeks ago. It's weird, man. Like, it's weird that it took me like two weeks of listening to the Human League like once a day, every day to be like, 
oh okay okay yeah i'm i'm kind of into this like when like orchestral maneuvers in the dark just had me fucking like floored at like the first list had you heard their uh the previous two albums the human lake i can't say as i have i've not i've not i know that they're very different but they're very good um i think you guys would like them is it more like like art rock style? I know that this is a big step towards pop for them. Yeah, so is there it's, other it's, stuff like more art rock. It's art rocky, but it's atmospheric and it's you know, yeah, it's it's old synth stuff. Um, I think it's cool. I know that. Uh, I know that they were some of the very few people in the crowd out to see Suicide when Suicide toured England. Sure. Yeah. You know yeah. who was in the crowd to see them though? Nineteen seventy-eight. David Bowie. David Bowie saw them and he declared to enemy that he had seen the future of pop music. And he's not wrong. I mean, yeah. I think that the human no, league not wrong. represent the new wave synth pop music. It really I wonder does. what he said when he saw the psychedelic first. <laughs> he, he liked them. Sure I think he liked them. He's friends with Richard Butler. According to all those photos, I saw of them hanging out together. Are you sure it wasn't Richard Butler by a, like a window or a mirror? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this album without its backstory, it's, it is, it's a, is it, is a pronunciation harbinger or harbinger for, you know, just harbinger. telling of harbinger. Mm-hmm. I go harbinger, but harbinger. All right. was. You know, that this is the direction that music is headed and, they were right about that. And Bowie was right about that. It's not my favorite direction for music to head. And I'm sure a lot of actual people playing actual instruments with their actual hands in 1981 felt the same way. I prefer things to be more organic and I prefer, you know, I, I prefer, prefer more like thing instruments being played in real time to being programmed and sequenced. For me, the appeal to this album is first off, a handful of these songs are just undeniable bangers. And second off, they not only made a profitable album with their back against the wall, but they made something that was going to change the shape of rock and roll music and pop music moving forward while their backs were against the wall. And I, regardless of genre, I think that's admirable. I think that's cool. They were they're, they're put in a corner and they had to do something. And the thing they did, whether you like it or not, it changed the shape of music, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And things too. changing is always, is always interesting. <clears throat> yeah. I would much rather see this too than that heaven 17. I have no idea why that <laughs> heaven 17 album was even here now since we have human. I league. I, Oh yeah. It's a mystery to me. I, I was pretty negative on that. Hum- the, that human 17, but I, why is it, why is it here? I mean, we have the human league. This represents uh, something. If we're trying to represent I mean, a genre and synth elements, I mean, was it really that great that it, it needed to Cal, stay? you want to rebut? I remember you. Yeah. Enjoyed I, it. I loved, yeah, I loved having 17, but no, I, I agree with you, Ben. And so far as like, it's interesting to see like, you know, a group or an outfit like this, get backed into a corner and, lose fundamental members and be like, they got very lucky with who they pulled in. They sure um, did. Right. Um, I think this album's a masterpiece. Uh, it's not my favorite album of the four that we're talking about, but I've revisited this album a lot. It, it's not like you can, 
you can say that uh you know the last track isn't a banger i mean it's don't you want me i mean that's it's an iconic song do you think uh, i'm asking the group here do you think that philip oakley and susan and sully are good singers are are i mean well they can carry a tune but do you think that they're like good singers no i think that's part of the appeal of that song is that uh, any, any, you know, any prole, any, any bloke can just walk into a pub and sing that song, you know, <laughs> seriously, mm-hmm. it's karaoke. I, I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar, you know, it's, it, it transcends mm-hmm. like it's, it's blue collar. It's, it's everybody like, uh, uh, Rob, that, that link that you shared to the remix where all the lyrics are just you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That's my preferred version, man. Yeah, I played that for Claire earlier, and she about before I saw steam coming out of her ears. Before I had ever <laughs> even heard that that video, that's still kind of how the songs always existed in my head. It just that melody, yeah. and then just the first line over and over again. You know, yeah. <laughs> at what, a cocktail bar. That's what Rob <laughs> did for like three months. He just every time I saw him, he would just say that line. For no reason. <laughs> Me? Yeah. I would just. You at would the just time, Birch, like, were you by chance working as a waitress <laughs> no, I was not. at a cocktail bar? For some reason, <laughs> it was like instead true. of saying hello, he would just be like, you were working at a <laughs> waitress as a cocktail bar. I don't recall a lot, Birch. I am so. That's just your love action, okay. bro. I don't remember. I love you. You're my friend. For a second. Your knuckles white as your fingers curl. The shot that was heard around the world. For a second. I will say that this earned considerable income. Obviously, it went. Jeez. Uh, triple platinum reached number one in the UK 1981 spent a total of four weeks on the top spot during the 81 82 period uh, and it was on the chart for 77 weeks so over a year yeah uh, it did earn a considerable income for record labels Virgin and AM in Virgin's case uh, it gave the label the first chart topping album since. Another Tubular album. Bells. Tubular Bells by Mike oh Oldfield, God. 1973. So only took oh, them. Branson just breathing a sigh of relief. Yep. Six years <laughs> later. Eight years later. Hey, oh, shit. <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, I did think it was really interesting, all the equipment they used on this. Jupiter 4, Korg 770, uh, Roland System 100, consisting of... 101 keyboards, uh, two 102 What's the drum sequencer? Like the Lin, a Lin something? Yeah, just had so Lin much drum, synth and, and it's technology. the first number one album to use that that drum sequencer, which eventually a lot of people would be using. This was the Early the first drum. album to get to number one with it. Yeah, uh, they they, yeah. they they did a they did a cool thing for a short amount of time. I don't know why they stopped doing this, but uh, I, I thought it was cool. They use different colors of of labels on their singles. Uh, the 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 club tracks, the dance tracks uh, had red labels, 
and the pop tracks had blue labels. So to, uh, to quote Philip Oakley, red is for posers, for spandy types. Spandy is spando ballet. It's just blue is for ABBA fans. Oh, yeah. I'm triggered. Yeah. Uh, so like, um, like things that dreams are made of red label, open up your heart, blue label. I thought that was cool. Like for, for a band that's trying to like, uh, you know, get on the pop charts and also get spun in the dance clubs. It's cool to have that color coding system, but apparently they did not use it for very long. I feel like yeah. Trent Reznor was paying attention. Probably was. Bert, what, what track we're listening to right now? <laughs> this is seconds. Yeah, this is seconds. This is. Yeah, this is like, a great track. Yeah. Stand out. So for me. I, I, I wrote next to this uh, serious contact vibes from uh, Daft Punk's uh, Random Access Memories. Mm-hmm. This came first, Rob. Oh, did it? So this it's came out before 20, 2014 <laughs> or whenever Random Access Memories came out. And then I listened to Random Access Memories and I was like, oh my God, what a better record. It's <laughs> hmm. true. Oh, uh, no, can uh, we talk about uh, Lester Bangs? Oh, yeah. Please, uh, someone tell me a Lester Bangs story. So, insofar as uh, Let It Blurt, the uh, Lester Bangs uh, biography is concerned, uh, the album uh, Dare by Human League is the one that murdered him. Uh, this is the album they found after uh, uh, he died uh, on, his, on his record, or on his record player, uh, Lester Bangs. Was listening to Dare and uh, what did he? What did he die of? Let's shock of this record. How terrible Guys. music was to become. Yeah, so oh, he, he just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I, I, I pulled. I actually, I, I just pulled it up. Uh, technically, drug overdose. Definitely an accidental drug overdose. He was self medicating for the flu, <laughs> and he, he was self medicating for how bad this record is. Okay. <laughs> How do we feel about this record? What do you think, Rob? Um, man, I counted one, two, three, four, five, six stars next to songs out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten <laughs> tracks. And you know what that means? Positive. Uh, first song sucks. Two second two tracks are rad. First song is great. First song's great. Next, uh, get Carter, awesome. I am the law, amazing. Seconds, rad. And uh, Rob, are you looking at the wrong sequencing again? Amazing. (laughs) He doesn't like the things that dreams are made of. He doesn't like shaking his butt. I am not going to. Yeah, I don't like shaking my butt. Fuck you. (laughs) Suck a dick. (laughs) Lick a butt. Lick a pussy. I don't care. Eat my balls. Fuck you. All right, what do you think, Kyle? Rob. <laughs> I think if you aren't a wiener at heart, <laughs> like this record. I think if uh, your soul isn't garbage, <laughs> give it a listen. I'm gonna. If you want, if you aren't an inherent sourpuss, and love is that was a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> give it a listen. It's great. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting kind of at a perfect neutral on this one. Uh, there are some songs in this album that I really like. Uh, there's also songs that don't really ring with me. Uh, uh, the last song on track on side one, "Do or Die," it's not terrible for me. If I had to describe it, I'd describe it as plastic reggae. 
which I don't Do think smoke. I don't think is a genre that needs to be plastified. Uh, I do like the story. Uh, I, I I like it. Uh, probably about On a scale uh, of five to ten. I would say six and a half. So neutral. That's what I'm neutral hearing. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. the same way that you feel, Ben. It just is. It's okay. It's it is what it is, and it's a bit plastic, but that's the point. So it's it's hard to fault it for maybe a, a genre that I'm not looking to explore as deeply. Um, and I do feel like it's it just is a is a bit too poppy for me. I just am, am not into the the pop synth um, elements that it's doing. I, I much prefer things that will come out of where this is starting from, but this is a starting place. And I like it a lot more than heaven 17. Um, that to me just didn't make sense. That was a negative for me, but this one is a bit more tolerable and it does have some hooks that are, are really great. Um, so yeah, neutral for me. All right. I want, ne- I want to say one last thing and this doesn't, it doesn't really weigh negatively or positive for me. Uh, but I just think it's worth noting that the biggest hit on this album and the biggest hit for this band went directly against the the aesthetic decisions of the people in the band. Yep. And r- derive from that what you will. But it's almost like it was a hit in spite of the band. <laughs> right. Yep. I think that happens a lot. It does with producers, for sure. Like the producer yeah. knows... It, it, and it makes well, sense in they, a certain they, they way. They would have been fucked without Martin yeah. Russian. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the producers. He, he's the only one that could program drums. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you think Fastball was like, oh, you think that's our biggest hit? You know. Yeah. Oh, dude. So I've got a Fastball story for you, but we can save that for when we probably cover Fastball in this fucking book. All right. Next time we'll be talking about the Gun Club, Fire of Love. Oh, cool.